we are a little bit spoiled around here with the music, and uh, that's all right. Hey, turn to the person that you're sitting beside right now. Come on, look at them and just say, if the world ends this morning, come on, just tell them, I'm glad I'm sitting by you. All right, just tell them, I'm glad I'm sitting by you. All right. How are we doing, 1130? We doing good? You look good. I hadn't seen some of you guys in a couple weeks. You're looking all tan. You're looking good. You're looking vacationed and uh, pumped that you're back. It's going to be a good day today. My name is Jason. I am the pastor here at the church. And if I haven't had a chance to meet you, I'd love to, to get a chance to do that. And uh, what Pastor Kim said is so true, that um, we're pumped that you're here. We believe God's going to do something awesome today. And uh, we are in the third week of our summer series called Making Sense of spiritual things, making sense of spiritual things. And the heart behind this weeks of teaching, these series of teachings is we want you to know why we do what we do and why we believe what we believe and, and what we believe. It's really kind of a fundamentals type series because so many of you in the room today have started a relationship with Jesus within the last year. Some of you have been following Jesus for years, but you're not exactly sure why we do the things that we do and why we believe some of the things that we believe. And so this series is just to help reinforce that and to help us, um, you know, be more confident in that. And so the first week I taught on the Bible, why we can trust the Bible, why we read the Bible, the power of the Bible. That was the first week. Last week, Pastor John taught on worship, why we worship, what worship looks like, the power of worship. And the takeaway from last week is that we're all worshipers. We're all great worshipers. We just want to direct that, that worship enthusiasm towards God. And so this week, I am going to do something that I have never done. In 15 years of pastoring, 15 years of preaching, I have never devoted a whole sermon to the rapture and to end times and call it what you want, tribulation, Armageddon, the world sky falling, the world ending. That's what today is all about. And we're going to have a little bit of fun with it. But also, you know, it's important that we uh, teach on these things and know about these things. Because as Christians, for those of us who choose to follow Jesus, not only is this important to our faith, it's the whole linchpin of our faith. And so it's important that we know about it. I don't want to take for granted or make any assumptions today that somehow we're all at a certain starting point. Some of you in here, when I say the word rapture, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Like you, you're like, what is a rapture? All right. And others of you, like you, you have taken like 12 week courses on the end times and you probably know more than me if we're being honest. And so I don't want to make any assumptions. I want to start at the very beginning and just uh, define what I mean when I say the rapture. All right. What I mean when I say the rapture, rapture or the rapture is a phrase that Christians use to describe or identify a time when Jesus will return, when Jesus is going to return. And when he comes back, he is going to gather all those who are living that are, are Christians, believe in Jesus, follow Jesus, and everyone before them who has believed in and followed Jesus. That's what we mean uh, by the rapture. That's what that that phrase mean? It means it's when Jesus comes back. Now, 
I, some of you know my story. I grew up in church. I am as church, I'm a church kid as much as you can be. Some of you are jealous of that. I'm kind of jealous of you, right? So everybody's got their issues, right? But I grew up in church and I grew up in some smaller kind of crazy churches at different seasons in my life. Uh, I went to my grandfather's church a lot, great church. And, uh, and so I grew up in churches that talked about the rapture all the time. How many of you would say, I grew up in one of those churches. We talked about the rapture all the time. Let me see your hand. A couple of you guys, we talked about the rapture all the time. I grew up in one of those churches where um, we, all the songs talked about it. Like we sang all the, the old songs and we always sang verses one, two, and four, never three. I don't know why, but that's what we did. And it was always about, you know, Jesus returning and, and all those things. And uh, most of those songs were very joyful celebration type songs. And then uh, the preacher or the pastor, when he would preach, no matter what the sermon was about, we were going to get to the rapture, right? You ever, you've been to one of those churches? I mean, you could be preaching on tithing. You could be preaching on loving your neighbor. What does it matter? But at some point in the sermon, the preacher was going to say something like, and folks, the Lord's coming back soon, right? Anybody ever been to one of those churches? Let me say, listen, yeah, folks, the Lord's coming back soon and you better be ready. You better be ready when the Lord comes back. My grandmother used to say, Jason, don't be anywhere. You'd be embarrassed when the Lord comes back, right? And she would say those types of things. And so no matter what the sermon was about, it was all, I mean, it was going to come back to the fact that Jesus is going to return. Now, listen, I make jokes about that, but here's, here's why they did that. And here's why it's important. Here's why I'm kind of embarrassed. We haven't talked about this for 15 years is because the purpose of being saved the purpose of having a relationship with Jesus is not just so that somehow you're a better person now, somehow that your life gets better now. All those things are great and true. But the purpose of giving your life to Jesus, the purpose of salvation, what does John 3.16 say? Is that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. So the reason that it was brought up all the time is because the purpose, the point of having a relationship with Jesus is to have eternal life, to, to be with Jesus forever, all right? And so that's why it's important. And what we're going to do today is we're going to read some scriptures. Um, there are all kinds of scriptures in the Bible about uh, the rapture and about Jesus returning. Uh, I'm going to give you one right now. There's a lot of them that we could go to. John 14, 3 says, Jesus was talking and he said, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. This is Jesus. He said, listen, I'm going to go. I got to go away for just a little bit, but I'm going to come back. And I'm preparing a place. I'm going to come back and I'm going to get you. And then we're going to go to be in that place. This is a fundamental belief, a fundamental piece, a cornerstone piece of everybody in this room who claims to have a relationship with Jesus. Now, you may not know much about it, but that doesn't somehow delegitimize it. And it may be scary sometimes, doesn't delegitimize it. It may be confusing sometimes, doesn't delegitimize it, Okay. We will at some time, either after we're dead and gone or while we're alive, at some point, Jesus will return. Amen. And everybody who knows him, loves him, believes in him, follows him, 
will go to be with him. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. And uh, wherever you are on the spectrum, wherever you are on the timeline, I'm pumped that you're here because you're going to get to hear about the fundamental belief that Christians have held to for, you know, the last 2,000 plus years. And I think it's kind of cool when we get to preach on and teach on things that have been taught on for 2,000 years. I think that's pretty, uh, pretty awesome, okay? So, um, so the rapture is Jesus returning, all right? The rapture is Jesus returning for everybody who follows him. Now, let me, let me make a confession. I'm gonna start by kind of making confession that, let me say it this way. Have you ever explained, like, have you ever tried to explain a movie or a TV show or a book to somebody that you absolutely love? And you're like, oh my gosh, you'd love it. You'd love it. And, and you begin to explain the plot and halfway through explaining the plot, you think to yourself, this is the craziest sounding movie or show or book. Like, oh, you'd love it. It's about this guy. And he's like a tennis player, but he's a spy at night. And then his wife, and like, you're like, halfway through, you're like, just trust me, you just gotta see it. Like, I know it sounds crazy, like you just gotta see it, okay? Well, this week, as I've been putting together these messages or this message on the rapture, as I have been reviewing and relearning some things, I'm thinking like, this sounds insane. Like, this sounds insane. And it's, it's so easy to get lost in some uh, of the details of this. And, and there are some people, when you begin to talk about end times and all that stuff, like they start geeking out. It's like a like Lord of the Rings Comic-Con convention. I mean, it is like, like they, want, they want to go deep and that's cool. And some people love to go that way. And I'm not making fun or mocking. I'm honestly saying like, that is incredible. But I don't want us to get lost in the details of this. Uh, today on the way to church, uh, my eight-year-old daughter was riding with me and... Um, she asked, you know, one of those eight-year-old important life questions. She's like, Dad, if you want a million dollars, what would you do with the money? This is a conversation we had this morning on the way to church. She said, hey, Dad, if you want a million dollars, what would you do with the money? And I was like, well, you know, uh, I'd pay my taxes, and then um, I'd pay my tithes, and then uh, I'd probably pay off the house. And you could tell she's very frustrated with my answers. Like, come on, Dad. Like, this, you're not playing the game. Come on, you're not playing the game. I said, you know, I'd probably, I would, like, take our family on an incredible trip. Like, We'd probably go to, my daughter's favorite place to go is to the Omni Hotel in Nashville. I don't know why. We took a trip one time and it made this huge impression on her. I don't know. It's like, everything's compared to the Omni. It's like, is it nicer than the Omni? Like that's, anyway. I said, so we would, uh, you know, we'd like go to Hawaii. And so I'm like, you know, we'd like take this awesome trip to Hawaii. And my eight-year-old like kind of interrupts me and she's like, well, who would sit with Zeke and Solomon on the plane? And I'm like, well, I don't know. I haven't thought through it. I was just answering your question. Like, we go to why? She's like, she's thinking. She's like, Dad, well, how many seats do you think would be on a row across in the airplane? Like, I don't know, Sadie. Probably three and three, probably six. She's like, I just want to make sure that somebody's sitting with Zeke and Solomon on the airplane. I'm like, babe, we're just playing a game. Like we go to Hawaii. Listen, uh, here's how I tell you that story. Cause sometimes when you start talking about like end times and, and Armageddon and all that stuff, you can get caught in all the details. Just know this, we're going to an awesome place. Okay, like we're going to Hawaii, all right? And I don't know, I'm not exactly sure how many seats are gonna be on the plane and all that, but I just know we're going to an awesome place, okay? So you're probably gonna have some questions today and I'll try to answer them for you as best I can. We actually have some people in the church who are uh, a little more educated about this. I'll try to direct you to them. But before you get lost in all the details or, or afraid of it, just know like it's gonna be awesome, okay? No matter what you read, it is going, uh, going to be awesome. And so as I was reading and preparing this week and typing up these messages and I'm like, okay, we're talking about this and the book of Revelation talks about like dragons and white horses and trumpets and all this stuff. It sounds like a, 
a bad Nicolas Cage movie, you know, like they've actually made that movie and, and it, it, it does sound crazy. Like it does sound crazy, but it's true. And it is one of the beliefs as a Christian that requires faith, that it, it requires, um, it requires faith. You know, if we're not careful, we can remove faith from a relationship with Jesus. So guys like me will stand up here and will say, hey, you need to have a relationship with Jesus. Pray this prayer. Ask Jesus to forgive you. Stop doing bad things. Good things will begin to happen in your life. And please hear me. All those things are true and good. But somehow, if we're not careful, we remove the element of faith, the element of the unexplainable, the element of like, I'm not even sure how to explain that, but God type of... Um, type of things. And, and so there is no faith. And by removing the faith unexplainable type of element, we remove what can be and often is the most attractive part of God to people who do not know God. If logic and reason were going to convert people to Jesus, the whole world would have been saved a long time ago, right? Sometimes it takes more than A plus B equals C. Like, yes, I'm pumped that you've met Jesus and you smoke half as many cigarettes or you're not drinking anymore or like I, you're not in jail. Like those are great things. I'm not belittling those things. But there also has to be those parts of our relationship with God that have faith that somebody who doesn't know Jesus goes like, well, that doesn't make any sense. And you go, I, I kind of agree with you. Like, I'm not exactly sure, but I don't doubt it. I've got faith and believe in it. I've got faith and believe in it. And as Christians and people who believe in Jesus, we just have to know that there are going to be things about our life that are different than people who don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's, it's supposed to be that way. And there are going to be things that we believe that are different than people who don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And some of those things that we believe seem crazy. And it doesn't mean that as Christians, we should be crazy. You've probably met a couple of those. Like we should be normal, but our lives should not be normal. And so we have the opportunity for people who don't necessarily believe in Jesus. When we talk about some of these things that we believe, it is all about faith. Sometimes it's unexplainable and it doesn't make sense to people who don't know Jesus. Like it doesn't make sense to keep praying and working on a marriage that all your friends say you should quit on. It doesn't make sense to choose celibacy. It doesn't make sense to give the first 10% of the income to your church. It doesn't make sense to love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you or forgive someone who hurt you badly. For somebody who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus and they look at those things and hear those things, they say, well, that doesn't make any sense. And you say, yeah, but I have faith. I have faith. And... Um, and so today, as we talk about this, like we, our faith is in God. Our faith is in Jesus. And we don't know why he set it up the way he set it up. I don't know why he didn't use something simpler like you live, you die, you go where you're going to go. Like, no, like there is a plan that he set up because he wanted it that way. And we say in those areas that we don't understand, God, I don't necessarily understand all of it, but I believe in you and I believe in your plan and what it is that, um, that you 
that you uh, have set up. All right, so here's what we're going to do. Matthew chapter 24. We're going to read a good chunk of Matthew chapter 24. I love when the Bible answers a question that we're asking. Don't you love that? Like somebody in the Bible asks the question that we want to ask. And uh, that happened in Matthew chapter 24. Everyone in the room today, I'm sure at some point has had questions about what happens after you die. Everyone in the room has had questions about what's it going to look like when you know, the world's coming to an end. What's it going to look like when everything's falling apart? Like what we've probably asked those questions and the disciples had those same questions. And in Matthew chapter 24, starting with verse three, this is what it says. It says, later Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately and said, tell us when will all this happen? What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? That's a a great question, right? Like we've kind of wondered that. Like when is it going to happen and what's it going to look like when it happens, right? The disciples want to know. And so Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many and you will hear of wars and threats of wars. I love the next three words. Look at what Jesus said. He said, but don't panic. I love that because he's just described some craziness and he's going to describe some more craziness. But what he wants us to know in the middle of all this is, listen, don't panic. Like, yeah, there's going to be wars and rumors of wars and North Korea is going to be shooting off missiles and Donald Trump's going to be president and there's going to be all these different things happening. And maybe you didn't like the last president or you like this one or whatever it is. Society, culture, you know, you're going to feel like it's falling apart. Listen to me. Jesus says, don't panic. You don't have to panic when all this is going on. You don't have to be doom and gloom. Like you don't have to share on Facebook about like how the world's ending and you're, you know, like stockpiling like food and guns and like, you don't have to do all that. If you want to do that, you can do that. But listen, don't panic. We can have composure in the middle of chaos because we have Jesus. And so sometimes people will say, like, Jason, are you, like, worried or concerned? Listen, as a dad of four kids, as I look across the next 20 or 30 years, like, yeah, there are parts of me that are like, there's some things that are scary. Like seventh grade for my kids, that's going to be scary. You know what I mean? Like, like, yeah, there are things. Sadie comes home and she learned new things on the school bus. And I'm like, wow, that's scary. All right. Like, there are things that are scary, but I shouldn't panic. I shouldn't panic. And if I find myself panicking, I probably need to to pray. And so Jesus said, don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. He's going to give us some more craziness. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world, but all of this is only the first of the birth pains. And we're like, oh, great. That's not it. There's more. Then he says, you will be arrested persecuted and killed. Anybody encouraged yet? You will be hated all over the world because you're my followers. And I think it's worth stopping and saying with no guilt, with no condemnation, please hear me and trust my heart. If you find it hard to follow Jesus, like when life is good, you need to really kind of question yourself and challenge yourself. It's like, hey, listen, if I'm If I struggle to be confident in my faith in Jesus when everything's going good, like, how will I stand when it's go? If I have to live through this, and we'll talk about that in a second, like, how, if I'm ashamed at work, like, how will I be when, like, life is, like, it's literally life or death? It's a valid question. No guilt. I'm just, you know, challenging. You'll be arrested, persecuted, good. You'll be hated all over the world because you're my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. 
Many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. And sin will be rampant everywhere. And the love of many will grow cold. But Jesus says, before you start freaking out, before you start thinking like, wow, this is the most discouraging, depressing sermon I've ever heard. Jesus says, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Amen. So such good news. Like, yeah, it's going to be crazy. Listen, don't panic and endure to the end. Endure to the end, right? Jesus is saying to his disciples, this is what it's going to be like. This is what it's going to look like. Now, we're going to keep reading in Matthew chapter 24, but I want to stop right here because I think it's important to point out something really important. It's important to point out, point out this, that every generation who has lived up until this point has believed they, that they are living through Matthew chapter 24, okay? The disciples thought Jesus was coming back next Tuesday, okay? My great-grandfather believed with all of his heart that the world had never been worse than it was during his life and that Jesus was coming back any moment. And he was convinced that when they came out with social security numbers, that that was the mark of the beast and that anybody who got a social security number was in trouble and then the government made him get one. So he gave up on that a little bit, but like that was it. That was it. He died. And then my grandfather, who's still alive, he's more convinced than ever that Jesus is coming back before he dies. And they came out with ATM debit cards. And it's like, that's it. That's it right there. And Jimmy Carter was like screwing up the country. And it was like, this is it. And I, listen, I'm, I'm making light, but I'm not mocking because whatever you're going through feels like it's the worst, Right. So every generation of parent feels like they're raising their kids in like the hardest culture to ever raise your kids in. And that's what your parents thought and that's what their parents thought and that's what their parents thought. And so when we read Matthew chapter 24 and it's like, you know, wars and rumors of wars and then we hear about a war, we're like, see? Yeah, there it is. Or my dad now believes, like my dad, I talked to him this week about it. He's like, Jason, the Lord is coming back soon. All I can say with confidence to you is that today we are closer to the return of the Lord than we were yesterday. And tomorrow we will be closer to the return of the Lord. Jesus is gonna tell us in a second, nobody knows. And it's not wrong to believe that it's gonna happen soon, but I think it's worth pointing out that we've gotta be careful to not be narcissistic enough to believe that whatever we're enduring or whatever we're going through is somehow the worst that it's ever been, okay? Like there are, some, there are some bad things happening right now in the world. But when you begin to look back over history, like I'm not willing to stand up here and say it's never been this bad. Like back during Jesus's time and the disciples time, like they would take living people into stadiums that were sold out and feed them to lions while people applauded. That's pretty bad, right? Our world has lived through the Holocaust. We have, our country has uh, slavery and racism that will make you sick to your stomach. Priests have abused children. That, and, and so as we look through all these things, like we can say, like, wow, the Supreme Court just legalized gay marriage. It's all falling apart. Like, I know that scares you. But let's don't forget that for 2,000 years, sin has been sin. And its purpose through all generations is to destroy people. 
And so I want to challenge you to have a more optimistic view of life and not a doom and gloom view of life. I'm not asking you to stick your head in the sand, but I think what is most attractive to people who feel like their life is falling apart and maybe the world is falling apart is to step back and say, God is doing incredible things in the world and the kingdom of God. And like, yeah, you know, it is kind of scary to think that I'm going to be raising daughters in whatever time period this is. But I got Jesus. And I don't have to panic, and I don't have to assume that it's never been this bad. It, listen, God could come back before I finish this sermon today. That's what my grandfather used to always say. My grandfather would always say, I may drop this microphone and be with Jesus in the twinkling of an eye. That's what he used to always say. And if he does, we win and we're pumped. But let's don't, let's don't assume that whatever it is that we're going through is somehow worse than what someone else went through just because we're going through it. Does that make sense to everybody? So it may be true that we're living through it, but let's just be careful that we're not doom and gloom Christians. Because doom and gloom Christians don't attract anybody to Jesus, okay? We can admit, like, yeah, it's kind of bad. I'm not crazy about where it's headed. But man, my hope is in Jesus. My faith is in Jesus. He has great plans for my life. He has great plans for your life. We have hope. Like, we can be optimistic Christians, okay? My iPad just died. So I'm going to be optimistic and pull out my phone. Here we go. (laughs) So let's keep reading, okay? Uh, Where were we at? We were... um, We're going to go to verse 30. We're going to go to verse 30, okay? Here's what it says. It says, And then at last, the sign that the Son of Man will come. Hang with me one second. Got it. And then at last, the sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens, and there will be deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with the mighty blast of a trumpet. And they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of the earth. That is the rapture. Okay? That's the rapture we were talking about. Skip down to verse 36. However, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows, and when the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. Two men will be working together in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. So you too must keep watch, for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Right? When I was a kid, I told you my story a little bit, but when I was a kid, you know, we're always talking about the rapture, and I was of the belief that you were only as saved as the last cuss word you said. So I was like, worried I was missing the rapture a lot in my life. And so I would be laying in bed and some of you have probably done this before, depending on how churchy you were in your childhood. I'd be laying in bed and I would have this fear like, oh my gosh, like what if I miss the rapture? And I'd be like, mom, dad, mom, mom, dad, mom. Right? Like, I'm, and they'd be like, what is it? I'm like, oh, nothing. Never mind. I'm good. Like, I just want to make sure they were there. You know what I'm talking about? And, and I'm, like, oh, I'm good. Like there was just this fear that I had. And as we read Matthew chapter 24 and we work through some of these verses, like you read that and there is this part of you that's like, whoa, 
But fear is not supposed to be our dominant emotion when we read about the things that are happening in Matthew chapter 24. And we'll get to that in just a second. But I want to point out here what Jesus said. Jesus said, nobody knows when it's going to happen. Nobody knows. He said, the angels don't know. He said, he doesn't even know. Jesus said, I don't even know, right? I don't even know. So, so anybody who tells you they know, they don't know. They are trying to make money by telling you they know when it's going to happen. They don't know, okay? Doesn't mean they can't guess. It doesn't mean they can't say, I feel like this, whatever, that's fine. But don't get caught up in trying. The point of the book of Revelation and prophecies is not to figure out when it's going to happen. Because all the prophets thought they figured out how Jesus was going to come the first time and they were way off, okay? So let's don't get caught up in the details of trying to figure out how. The point of it is not when it's going to happen. The point is that it's going to happen. And Jesus said, nobody, nobody knows when that is going to happen. So our dominant emotion, when we read about this, it's like, man, two people in a car and one's going to be gone. What's going to happen? Is the car going to wreck? And what about if it's a pilot of a plane? And all, you know, you think of all these questions, like, what about this? What about that? Our dominant emotion is not supposed to be fear. Our dominant emotion is supposed to be longing. That when we hear about and read about Jesus returning as believers and Christians, our dominant emotion is supposed to be, yes, please come. Please come. We get that from Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. This is what it says. Paul's writing and he says, but our citizenship is in heaven. Those of us who are followers of Jesus, our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies. That's best news I heard all day right there. New bodies. So that they will be like his glorious body. So Paul says, listen, as believers, we are supposed to eagerly await the return of Jesus Christ. We're not supposed to read these things and be like, I'm terrified. I'm scared. Oh my goodness. That makes sense. We're supposed to read them and go, that sounds nuts, but I can't wait to be with Jesus. I can't wait to be with Jesus. I begin to think like as an adult, what are things in my life that I eagerly await for? Because as a kid, you got Christmas and different things like that. But as an adult, the best I could think of that I eagerly await is when I'm waiting on a package from UPS that I really want to get. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like you get that tracking number and you're like, is it here yet? Is it here yet? Is it here yet? And isn't this true? Like you're afraid to leave your house because as soon as you leave, what? They're going to show up, Right. And you got to wait over the weekend or whatever it is. And so Paul, like, that's what Paul's describing. He said, you should long for the return of Christ like that UPS tracking number package that you can't wait to get. And don't chance it. Like, don't chance it. Like, I'll just go leave, but I'll be fine. Like, don't chance it. No, like, eagerly long for it and wait for it. And so today, as I'm preaching about the rapture and about Jesus returning, here's the question that all of us have to answer in our lives. Is do we long to be with Jesus forever more than we want anything else? Because as I'm talking about it today, if you would say, man, Jason, being with Jesus forever sounds awesome, but I'm kind of bummed that fill in the blank. 
then you're probably identifying some things in your life that you love more than Jesus. The great philosopher Kenny Chesney said it like this, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to go now. So, you know, as a as an 18-year-old, I'm thinking, like, I really want you to come back, Jesus, but could you wait till after my honeymoon? Like, could we just, could you wait till after I'm married? Some of you guys are like, man, I really want God to come back, but not before I get married. Some of you guys are like, not before I have a baby. Some of you guys are like, not before I finish college. Some of you guys are like, like, and so you're like, man, I really, I do want to be with Jesus, but not until you've probably just identified something that you worship in your life more than Jesus. And Paul says, no, 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 man, you're supposed to like be on the edge of your seat. Like, Jesus, when are you coming back? Oh, I just can't wait to come back. Please come back, Lord. Please come back because I'm not supposed to live here. This is not my home. Like, I like my house. I got a cool house, but like, no, I really want to be with you. And so it's not even just those things that we don't want to leave. We're also challenged to look at our lives and to identify what things about being with Jesus would be disappointing. Nobody really knows the answer to these questions, but, but if you've spent any time thinking about it at all and you love people in your life, you maybe have thought to yourself like, I mean, like, will I get to stay married in heaven? What about my kids? Will I recognize them? Will I know who they are? And please hear my heart because I love my family. But if there is an emotion inside of you that says, I mean, I mean, it would be cool to be with Jesus, but like, not if I don't get to have my kids. Then you may have just identified in your life that your kids are an idol for you, that your spouse is an idol for you, that you would rather be with them than be with Jesus forever. It's an opportunity to identify in your life, what is it that you long for more than being with Jesus Christ? Because the goal of all of this is eternal life. The goal of confessing and believing and having a relationship with Jesus is to be with him forever. And so that thing that you think of that you're like, I mean, no, no, don't get me wrong, Jason. I mean, it would be cool. I mean, I'd, I'd, I mean, it would be great, but... It is kind of a bummer that, like, I haven't been able to get married yet. Like, you, you've elevated marriage over being with Jesus. And so we go back to God and we say, God, forgive me for falling in love with this world. Like, forgive me, God, for thinking that the amount of money that's in my bank account is the most important thing about me. Forgive me, God, for thinking that somehow my job title is the most important thing about me because I don't get to take any of it with me. The reward, the goal, the win is being with Jesus. And nothing else matters. So what are the things in your life that have eternal value? What are the things in your life that you're focusing on that have eternal, eternal value? I want to show you this. Jimmy, will you help me? Austin, come help me for a second. I'm not going to embarrass you, I promise. Come here, buddy. Come here for one second. All right. Wes, come help me real quick. I'm going to try not to tangle this, but here's what I want to do. Austin, I want you to take this rope, and I want you to just start walking as far as you can. 
And when you hit the door, just go through the door. And when you hit the outside door, just keep, I don't want you to leave church. I just want you to keep, keep walking, okay, until we run out of rope. Okay, so just go ahead. Somebody may have to prop the door open for him. Jimmy, just take some along with him here. Hold on, let's, hold on, Austin. Hold on, we're a little tangled. I've never met a cord I couldn't tangle. All right, let's see how, how we can do here. Oh, that's a little better. All right, Jimmy, take that. Go ahead, Austin, start walking. It's going to be a little bit tangled. Hold on one second. Hold on one second. Hold on one second. Man, this would have been a great illustration if I would have done the, this beforehand, right? All right, there we go. Keep walking. Keep walking. Wes, you may have to help me out here. Keep walking. There we go. That's, that's a little better. Keep walking. Go ahead, Austin. Keep walking. Keep walking. Keep walking. Keep going. Keep going. All right, stop. All right, everybody look at the rope, right? Stretches all the way from the stage. Keep going a little bit. All the way from the stage. That's good. Stop. Listen, this rope, for the sake of today, represents eternity, right? Like this is, this is forever. This rope represents forever. Somewhere on this rope is like Caesar, like somewhere on there's Adam and Eve, George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, Billy Graham. You're like, what? Just, this, is, this is history. And it's not just history, but it's future. It's forever, right? And so if this is forever, then you and me in the lives that we live for, you know, what, 80 years? I mean, we may go longer than that, but what, 60 years? Like, if this is eternity, if this is forever, this tape right here is just going to represent my life, your life. The Bible says we're like dust. We're like Our lives are like dust. I'm probably being a little bit generous, I'm going to be honest with you, with that much length right there. But this is our lives. And so as we think about all the things in our lives that are stressing us out, all the things that we're afraid of, I'm freaking out about my kids riding to school and going to middle school. That's like that much in the scope of eternity. I'm thinking about, you know, trying to finance to buy that house. I'm thinking about, you know, all the things in my life that I'm wanting to do and trying to accomplish and all the things that I think are important and all the titles and the status and everything that matters in my life, the things that keep me up tonight and the things that make me cry, all that. Listen, listen, in the grand scheme of eternity, it's like, it's like right there, right? It's like 80 years. I'm freaking out about my kids and I love them and they're a blessing from God and a gift to God. I mean, I got like 20 years with them before I send them out. Hopefully, 20 is good, you know what I mean? But I'm saying like, I, 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 it's, like that, it's like that much. It's like that much. And so the apostle Paul and Jesus challenge us today. It's like, okay, you're so consumed and worried about all these things in your life. Where you're going to go to school, who you're going to marry, how many kids are you going to have? Will your house look like the house that your friends will admire? How many likes will you get on social media? How new will your truck be? When will you get a promotion? Do you get to post the selfie on the beach with you laying in the chair and the thing? Like all those things that you're worried about. The weighty things, like I have cancer. 
My kids are a mess. My marriage is in trouble. All things that weigh us down, and I get it because it's life. Listen, it's like that much. So what are the things in life that are more important than that? What are the things in life that are bigger than that? Well, I would say first and foremost is your soul. Your soul never dies. Cars break down, but your soul never dies. Have you made a decision today to give your life to Jesus Christ so that you can have eternal life? Like you get to last the whole rope. Well, actually, everybody gets to last the whole rope, but do you get to spend it with Jesus where you spend your money? Jesus said, don't store up treasures on this earth. He's talking about, he's saying like, listen, don't get so consumed with the black tape that you spend all your money on the black tape. He said, store up treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy. Evidently, Jesus says, there are ways that you can use the money that you've been given that will last for eternity. Listen, be, be way more concerned about your kids' soul and relationship with Jesus than their soccer talent. Because soccer talent is like that much. But their soul is forever. It's forever. Your buddies that you hang out with, your college friends, your high school friends, you're hanging out. It's cool. You don't want to be pushy. I get it. Listen, you got about that much time to bring it up. Like, hey, man, I'm following Jesus, and I just want to tell you about it. That matters forever. Are you following what I'm saying this morning? These are the things that matter. These are the things that our focus is supposed to be on. These are the things that are supposed to keep us up at night. What should not keep us up at night is whether or not our favorite TV show gets canceled. What should keep us up at night is how many of my family members don't know Jesus. Because that has eternal value. And I'm not throwing stones because I love TV shows. But I'm convicted and challenged myself as I think through these scriptures. Like, God, how much of my perspective is eternal? How much of my action is eternal? Or how much of it is like for the next 20 years? All right, thanks. You guys can come in. Wes, if you don't mind wrapping that up for me. Thank you. So he's coming back. Jesus will come back. And Paul says, Paul says that our emotion is not supposed to be like, oh my goodness, who is this? And when is this going to happen? And I'm so terrified. And what if I'm this? That's not supposed to be our emotion. Our emotion is supposed to be, Lord, please hurry up. I'm tired of my body breaking down, my family breaking down. I'm tired of sin ruining my life. I'm tired of everything that's happening around me deteriorating. Jesus, I want to be with you. So... Jesus is going to come back and he's going to take us to be with him. We're going to go to heaven for a little while and then we're going to come back and there's going to be a thousand years and, and then there's going to be a battle and then God's going to win. It's already rigged and he's going to win. And then, and then we're going to stand before what the Bible calls the great judgment seat of Christ. And we're going to stand before God according to uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 10. You can read it. But we're going to stand before Christ and we're going to 
take account for everything that we've done with our lives. And when you hear that, you're, you may think like, oh boy, everybody's going to hear that because I've done some awful things. But 2 Corinthians says, if you are in Christ, you can be confident. Because when you step up in front of God, Jesus is going to say, I've forgiven this one. And God's going to say, you're in. But there will be people who chose. The Bible says that every person will have an opportunity to choose. That there will be people who choose not to have Christ, to be with Christ. And if you said to them, like, hey, do you want to go to heaven or hell? They'd be like, well, I definitely don't want to go to hell. But, but they, they're going to make the choice. I don't want Jesus. And they're going to get what they want forever. And those who choose to want Jesus are going to get what they want forever. And hear me, it's not because God is mean, and it's not because he wants to send people to hell. God never created hell for people. He created it for the devil. And the devil spent all of history convincing people to join him. It will break God's heart when he sends people there because he never created that place for them. But they didn't want Jesus. And so they'll get what they want forever. Eternity is just a continuation of the choice that we make here to either live for and be with and have Jesus or to not. And so my point today is not to scare you, but I think it's worth saying if you're here today and you, and you don't want to go to hell and that scares you, like that's a really good reason to know Jesus. It's not the only reason, but I, I, I used to say it some too. And I remember I used to hear preachers say like, don't get saved just because you don't want to go to hell. I got to be honest with you. That's like a really good reason. I don't want to go to hell. So it's like, all right, I'll... I'll Maybe today you're like, yeah, I'm not sure about the rest of it, but I know that I, I would rather be with Jesus. And so I'll start walking in that direction and, and, and committing my life to him. In just a few minutes after we sing some songs together, I'm going to come back up and I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray that prayer, to make that decision today, to follow Jesus. And we're going to take that time. But maybe over the next few minutes, if you just think like, maybe you could be challenged to think like, how much of my life is focused on things that are eternal, things that matter forever. Maybe today the response as we worship a little bit is to ask God, like, God, forgive me for focusing on a lot of things in life that don't matter. God, forgive me for, for losing perspective. Help me to regain my eternal perspective. And God, help me to eagerly long to be with you forever because this world is not my home. Let's pray.